This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Season 2, Episode 16, Reopening America and the Joe Rogan Experience. You may well ask, what on earth does the reopening of the U.S. economy have to do with the Joe Rogan Experience? The Joe Rogan Experience is the Internet's most listened to podcast. And of course, the reopening of the U.S. economy is the subject that we're all focused on right now as we come out of the the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Both subjects were featured in the news this last week, but for very different reasons. And the management of both subjects are at polar opposites on the medium reporting spectrum. But first, the reopening, which now begins its third week nationwide. All 50 states have now begun some form of economic reopening, with Connecticut being the last of the 50 states to make it official that they were open for business. Connecticut, of course, is located in the northeast of the country, adjacent to New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. And that region has been especially hard hit with the highest concentration of COVID-19 cases and fatalities of anywhere in the United States. So it was good to see that uh, Connecticut was the last of the 50 states to actually begin, begin the first steps to get back to normal. The degree of reopening around the country is a tale of red state versus blue state, with the former being more aggressive, permitting more commerce, and the latter being a little more hesitant. Red states in general have permitted restaurants to open, both indoor dining and outdoor dining, barbershops, salons, libraries, uh, some offices, many shops. On the other hand, blue states have been more cautious and started off by permitting curbside pickups at restaurant and shops with some patio dining outdoors, but the rules vary significantly, not only state to state, but within states. For instance, here in California, in Sonoma County, you're permitted to have outdoor patio dining in a restaurant. In adjacent Napa County, restaurants can open both for outdoor dining as well as indoor dining. But in San Francisco, which is 60 miles south of Sonoma and Napa, restaurants are still closed and only open for curbside pickups. So depending on where you're located, Sonoma, you can have dinner out on the patio al fresco. Napa County, you can have dinner indoors or outdoors. And San Francisco, you can pick up your dinner at the curbside in front of the restaurant. Three very different approaches, but all adjacent counties. Houses of worship continue to be closed despite the president's move to let them reopen. California's Governor Gavin Newsom scored a court victory on Friday when the Ninth Circuit Federal Court of Appeals 
sided with California in keeping churches, synagogues, and mosques closed. Their rationale was that to permit any religious venues to open would have exposed the public to an unnecessary level of risk and mass exposure to the very contagious and transmissible COVID-19 virus. However, the Newsom administration has stated that later this week, they will announce plans for limited openings at houses of worship. So stay tuned. Again, the reopening has 50 different iterations and even more local iterations when you get down to the county level. But in general, offices, schools, and universities remain closed with very limited airline and public transit facilities coming back online. You may have heard that Hertz Rent-A-Car, which is very heavily dependent on the airline industry and present in all the nation's airports, Hertz Rent-A-Car went into bankruptcy this week due to their $17 billion in debt and the fact that since nobody's flying, uh, nobody's renting cars either. So Hertz will be reorganizing itself and trying to weather the storm until the airlines and passengers come back in droves to rent cars. So the reopening process is very piecemeal and it's off to a slow start and a very patchy start throughout the country. Of course, this is Memorial Day weekend and here in the United States, Memorial Day weekend is their traditional start of summer and crowds head off to the beaches and parks and the countryside uh, to essentially to kick off the summer season. However, as part of kicking off the summer season, uh, I'm sorry to say that while there were large crowds out on East Coast beaches in Florida and California and Texas, uh, the crowds at the beaches were largely non-compliant. The crowds that I saw certainly weren't observing any kind of social distancing rules. And of course, everybody was in their bathing suits and it's, it's very difficult to wear a face mask or gloves when you are on the beach and perhaps trying to get a tan or to, to swim. Um, it was largely among younger people but it wasn't exclusively younger people who were flouting the social distancing rules and the face mask rules. Were blue states more compliant and red states less so? Generally speaking, not. Uh, it seemed that right across the board, red or blue staters were just enjoying the warm sunshine of the kickoff to summer 2020 at the beach. This sunny, warm weekend was the first time many Americans ventured out of their home confinement, and many seemed to throw caution to the wind as regards protection from transmission. However, my own personal experience in both San Francisco and Sonoma County the last three days saw virtually everyone wearing face masks and many with gloves. Social distancing protocols were being respected and it was kind of a generational thing with more compliance, almost 100% compliance among older people, 
with younger people being a little less uh, compliant, although not, uh, not outrageously so. There are many younger people who were wearing their masks and socially distancing, but there were many who weren't. When the history of the lockdown is written in a few years from now, or even a year or two from now, we will look back on this period and there will be much room for criticism. The lockdowns came fast and furious from ill-prepared politicians in mid-May, mid-March and late March. And as I said, the lockdowns and the, uh, the orders came uh, very quickly and politicians seemed to confuse very legitimate public health measures with the shutdown of commerce. And now, after eight, nine weeks of being closed for business, trying to unravel the legitimate public health goals of the lockdown from the restrictions on commerce that probably went too far in the first place has become a hornet's nest of unpicking a very tangled mess. And that's why you're seeing the reopening of America being such a stop and start, piecemeal, messy process, which doesn't seem to be observing any standards at all throughout the country. Mandatory wearing of face masks in all enclosed places, public transit and crowded outdoor locales should have been a national standard without exception and punishable for noncompliance. It didn't work out that way. All of these standards were all very local and not only state to state, but within states, there were some counties that require face masks, others that don't. Same with gloves. But now politicians, as they are being challenged to reopen business, they're dithering to lift commercial controls based on a political calculus that never should have been permitted in the first place. In other words, gee, if I let commerce reopen, is that going to sit well with this particular interest group or not sit well with some other interest group? That should never have happened. The politicians should have stuck to very strict public health measures and limited the shutdown to a mandatory three-week national shutdown and lockdown so that strict national measures could have been enacted at the national level, put in place so that we had, <clears throat> so that we had national standards for protective health measures. As I said, right now, it's been kind of hit or miss and it's been piecemeal. So there was much room for improvement there. For instance, after the terrorist attacks of 9-11, uh, they actually, that the terrorist attacks happened on Tuesday, September 11th. As a result, most offices in San Francisco, all offices in San Francisco were closed 
And across the nation, all offices were also closed in all the major cities and uh, medium-sized cities. However, within two days, offices in San Francisco reopened on Thursday, September 13th, with enhanced and very strict security measures. Airlines followed suit with very strict screening procedures, boarding procedures, and new, new doors, cockpit doors, to prevent the breaching of the cockpit. So comparing how the nation reacted post 9-11, and again, it wasn't a pandemic, it was a, uh, it was a much more, it was a terrorist attack. And so the, the measures that were put in place to protect the country afterwards were put in place much more efficiently, quickly, and again, it was a uh, it was a different threat, and the corrective measures were were able to be employed much more quickly, much more efficiently, and in a much more businesslike fashion. The constant drumbeat of apocalyptic and alarmist news from many media outlets is another reason that many people, particularly younger people, have tuned out traditional news sources during this COVID-19 crisis. Which brings us to our next subject, the Joe Rogan Experience. The Joe Rogan Experience is a hugely popular podcast with an estimated 190 million downloads per month. That works out to about 6 million downloads per day, assuming there are 30 days in a month, 190 million downloads a month, works out to about 6 million downloads of the Joe Rogan experience every day. Joe Rogan is probably a name that you haven't heard of, and even you're even less likely to think of Joe Rogan as a source of news on COVID-19 or any other matter. However, for young people and youngish people, particularly the millennial generation, he is the go-to guy for getting your news. The Joe Rogan Experience is an interview format and Joe is an entertainment personality and a shock jock in the style of Howard Stern. As extreme as Howard Stern is in his style and his delivery, he is a syndicated radio host and his broadcasters are subject to FCC rules and regulations for a host of issues, including explicit content. content. Of course, podcasting is internet-based, which as we know, is not regulated by the FCC, and in fact is not really governed by, uh, by, by any federal rules. And as a result, Joe Rogan puts the X in explicit content, content to say the least. But as, but as I said, his format is an interview format, and it's very popular. Spotify, the Swedish music streaming company, which is making a big push 
into the podcasting business, bought the Joe Rogan experience this past week for $80 million. He says that his editorial independence has been assured, and starting in September, the Joe Rogan experience will move to Spotify, and by the end of the year, you'll only be able to hear his podcast on Spotify. Right now, you can hear it on all eight distribution channels, just like you can hear my podcast that you're listening to right now. You can hear my podcast, The San Francisco Experience, on all eight distribution channels. Once Spotify takes over, and after the transition period by the end of this year, you'll only be able to hear Joe Rogan Experience on Spotify. And so Spotify will have the benefit of those 190 million monthly downloads when Joe's fans listen in to his show. His appeal is based on an uncensored, free-flowing interview style, which is not at all politically correct, nor focus group tested in its opinions. There is no vice president of human resources standing behind him, dictating what he may or may not say. He's completely free form. He hates censorship and his fans love him for his politically incorrect, uncensored, honest style. Some may find his style and content offensive, but he has been sought out for interviews by the leading presidential candidates in the 2020 presidential race. Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, and Joe Biden all tried to be interviewed on the Joe Rogan show, but Joe would hear nothing of it. He is somewhat apolitical. How, even though he declined their offers for interviews, he did have one interview with Bernie Sanders. He said he likes Bernie, and if Bernie had have run, continued to run for president, he said he would have voted for Bernie. I guess perhaps he's a Bernie bro. However, the Bernie campaign was so enamored of his interview, Joe said he gave him a hard time. The Bernie campaign didn't think so at all because immediately after the interview, they made a campaign advert out of the interview. So just to show you how powerful Bernie's campaign manager thought that interview was and being with Joe Rogan on his show, they actually made a campaign advert out of it. So Joe Rogan has a huge political weight in this election. He describes himself as more of a libertarian and neither Democrat nor Republican. In addition to politicians who seek him out and seek out his program for interviews, he also interview, he'll interview anyone, sports personalities. He interviewed, for instance, Elon Musk, the chairman of Tesla, the electric motor car company. Uh, and Elon sat down for a two-hour interview with, uh, with Joe Rogan. And Rogan's interviews can last for up to three hours. And uh, when you're sitting in the interview chair with him, 
you never quite know which way that interview is going to go and what subject matter he's going to bring up. So an interview with Joe Rogan is not for the faint-hearted, and it's certainly not for the politically correct. He controversially interviewed the Sandy Hook conspiracist fellow, um, but he seemed to make light of it afterwards, not that you could possibly make light of the, the Sandy Hook tragedy, but he seemed to poke fun at the conspiracists. So it wasn't, it wasn't clear whether Joe was, whether Joe was serious about the conspiracy theories or not. But according to the New York Times opinion piece dated May 25th, and it was written by Barry Weiss, Joe Rogan is more influential on any matter of national news than the whole of the CNN national news team, which is amazing. So has Joe Rogan, with his explicit content style, become the new Walter Cronkite of the internet for the millennial generation? That remains to be seen, but he's very persuasive and he certainly has, uh, he, he certainly has listened to um, very heavily by the millennials, young and youngish Americans. I have not listened to any of Joe's podcasts on the lockdown or the reopening of the U.S. economy, so I will reserve judgment on those two subjects. But if you ask yourself, who does young and youngish America listen to for any of their news and news interviews, it's not Anderson Cooper, nor Don Lemon, nor Tucker Carlson, or Brian Williams. It's more than likely Joe Rogan. If you're interested in the New York Times opinion piece by Barry Weiss, it's in the May 25th edition of the New York Times, and the title is Joe Rogan is the New Mainstream Media. My sources for today's podcast include the New York Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. This has been your host, Jim Herlihy, for the San Francisco Experience, coming to you from San Francisco, America's favorite city.